The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. More than 40% of people in their 40s and 50s have both an aging parent and a child under the age of 21. Caring for people in multiple generations demands time, love, attention, and more. Welcome to Caught Between Generations with your host, Dr. Merrill Griff. Our program will bring you the information you need as a family caregiver for everyone for whom you care. With guest experts and resources to help you keep sane and organized. Now, here is Dr. Merrill Griff. Welcome to Caught Between Generations. This is Dr. Merrill, and I am so happy and pleased that you decided to spend your time with us today. Thank you so much. So, teenagers, uh, you know, when we say the word, the reaction is usually a sigh or someone rolling their eyes or, you know, just that mere explanation of frustration. You know, it's true, teenagers can be challenging, but I think we tend to lose sight that often they're challenging because they're struggling, and they're struggling a lot. They're unsure of themselves, they feel awkward, they feel isolated, sometimes they're depressed, sometimes they're angry and they're hostile on the surface, but just the list of feelings that they're feeling at any given time, multiple feelings at any given time, just goes on and on. So today's show, um, we're going to talk about programs and techniques that have actually been proven to help our teens become more powerful and confident adults. It's Power Up on Caught Between Generations. And we're going to begin powering up with Dr. Jennifer Freed. Dr. Freed is the co-founder and director of the highly successful team program called AHA. This program serves more than 3,000 families annually in the state of California. She's created many things, including the educational book series, Become Your Best Self. She serves as the director for the award-winning teen program, The Media Project at the Human Relations Institute, and she has appeared on Good Morning America and National Public Radio, among many, many others. Welcome to Caught Between Generations, Dr. Freed. It's my privilege and honor to be part of any show that's powering up. (laughs) Sorry, we just came out of Halloween and I saw lots of Power Rangers at my door, so it's really at the forefront of my thoughts. So I want to start out really talking to you, not about bullying in general, because I I think there's a lot of information out there about bullying, but I want to talk to you um, specifically about cyberbullying at the beginning. So can you tell us what actually is cyberbullying? Well, cyberbullying is just the digital way of using power to harm and cause distress to other people. So, so cyberbullying is no different than any form of bullying, which is always a power differential, and it's based on consistent and repetitive behavior that harms and diminishes and humiliates, if not, 
you know, really causes violence to other people. So how would I do that? I mean, does that mean I'm posting things on Facebook or other social media sites, half of which I, I probably don't know the name of? Yeah. Well, there's so many different ways now through social media to put people down. It can be writing mistruths about them. It can be stealing their account and pretending you're them and saying awful things. It can be spreading rumors about people. It can be saying nasty and awful things to people on their accounts. It can be taking private photos and spreading them all around. You know, there's just innumerable ways people can spread hate these days. And for teenagers that are often so smart on digital media that they're unsupervised, it's just a free-for-all out there in terms of whether people are spreading hate or love. So how widespread is the problem, actually? Well, I think it's as widespread as listening to the news these days between our political candidates. It's just everywhere. So let's talk about the bullies for for a minute. Do you think that the makeup of a cyber bully is different than, let's just say, a face-to-face bully? Well, I think that the one thing that people that engage in bullying behavior, whether they're teenagers or adults, all have in common is unprocessed pain. These are people that in some part of themselves are unhealed and unwell, and they all have in common that they want to take the pain that's inside of them and foist it on somebody else as if it would take their pain away. That's an interesting perspective because it would make you say, well, maybe I should feel empathetic, you know, to to the bully um, because they, they are in pain as opposed to maybe feeling angry and hostile towards them. Well, at AHA, one of the reasons we're so highly successful is we don't actually call people bullies because that's a noun, and especially a teenager is still developing. We call it bullying behavior, and we do think that underneath all bullying behavior is somebody that's needing help, and so we address both the person with the bullying behavior and the person who's been victimized or harmed with the same interest and curiosity. So I'm going to ask you then the, the, the reverse of the, of the same question, and that is, do you think that the victims of cyberbullying are different, that their experience is different than the victims of other types of bullying behavior? No, I don't think it's different for any of us when we feel targeted and pervasively harmed by another human being, whether it's on social media or in a classroom or school ground. I think we're all people that want to be treated with respect and dignity, and when that's taken from us by some kind of vile act, It hurts us all the same. So you use a really interesting term in one of your uh, articles. You call it screen-agers. Did I pronounce that correctly? Screen-agers. Screen-agers. Okay. Can you you explain that to us? Well, we now have what's called digital natives, youth that have grown up from zero to now, mastering the digital arts of social media. And now we know that youth spend 
way more time on screens than they do in actual contact with other human beings, face-to-face, touch-to-touch. So a term, screenagers, is just describing the phenomena of we've now entered a whole new terrain where screens are having more intimate contact than human beings. All right, so let's go back to I'm a parent or I'm, I'm a grandparent, all right? What would be the signs that would make me think that my child might be a victim of bullying behavior? Well, it's hard to pinpoint that down because each child is going to display their pain differently, but what you're looking for is any variation from what you know them to be like. So they could be withdrawn, they could be manic, they could be self-harming. They, you know, you, you can't say, here, this will tell you. Uh, the most important prophylactic to bullying behavior in terms of victims is that the adults are very engaged in their lives and really know a lot about their lives, so subtle differences or nuances would pop up very easily for people to notice. Are there so the signs at the very beginning when it when it when really you might be wanting to intervene at an early point? I want to make sure we all understand this is a change in behavior of some kind. They yeah. could be sli- they could be sleeping more. They could be eating less. Um, they could be not talking on the phone or not going out as frequently. Is is that correct? You're absolutely right. It could be any number of behaviors that are different and pronounced than what you're used to. So if I see this change and I'm concerned about it, I mean, how do I approach my child? I mean, how do you begin that conversation? Well, I think you would just very naturally, if you have a relationship with them, which is the most important part where you usually talk to them, Youth do not like to be interrogated. So if you don't have a regular way that you talk to them and you just all of a sudden say, hey, what's going on with you? I notice that you're different. They are going to feel very intimidated. But if you do have a regular kind of way that you talk to them, then the first thing you say to them is, hey, Johnny, or hey, um, Billy Sue, I noticed lately that you've been sleeping in for a few extra hours. Anything different going on for you? That's you just you're just very curious and natural and not assuming and not accusing. You know, I'll just kind of piggyback on that for a minute, and I'll say that um, with one of my children, anyway, I found what was very effective with him was hanging out near him. Um, like even in his bedroom, you know, he's he's at his desk working. I lay, I'm laying on the bed suddenly or on the chair reading, and I don't say anything. I just would not say anything. And, you know, people always want to fill that void. So, you know, suddenly he would open the conversation, you know, and he would just begin to tell me things. It was it was interesting, so I'm just passing that on. Um, That's a great what, tip. Mm-hmm. What would, how would I open the conversation if I thought my child actually was exhibiting bullying behavior towards others? How would I open up that conversation? Would I do it the same way? No, you you would address it pretty head on and say, hi, um, Hector, I've been noticing lately that you seem to be exhibiting some more disturbing behaviors, aggressive behaviors. 
and I want to have a real frank discussion with you about what are acceptable behaviors toward other human beings so we can see eye to eye on this and feel it the same way and I'll answer any questions and you've got to really stand up as a parent or grandparent or elder for your values but again not in a presumptive way, not in an accusatory way, but a very clear mandate for what you believe are the important values of your family and of your life. So let's say you, you you do open up that conversation and your child says to you, well, yeah, I, you know, I really, you know, hate Sue and Mark and I've been posting these things on them about Facebook and, you know, I, and I hope that really gets to them and, and they're really miserable now. I mean, that would yeah. be pretty hard to hear as a parent. So how would Horrible. I react to that? Well, the first thing you do is you hug them, bring them close, and go, honey, that sounds so awful that you're in this much pain. Now, what you've done is completely unacceptable. And I know deep down inside of you, you know that. But let's really talk about what you were thinking, what you were feeling that got you to the place where you would do something that harmful. Let's really dig in there and talk about it. I know you to be a good person. This is so out of line with your character. That would be hard to do, but you're right. It probably is the best approach. So before you talk to your child, I'm assuming you would advise really thinking through what you're going to say ahead of time. Yes, because, you know, what happens with many of us adults is we get so angry at our teens' hurt that we act very out of control about whatever their misdeeds are, and that is certainly not helpful. Okay, you're listening to Caught Between Generations. This is Dr. Merle, and I'm here with Dr. Jennifer Freed, who is the co-founder and director of the highly successful team program, AHA. And when we return, we're going to be talking to Dr. Freed, asking her to give us more details about this fantastic program. And we're also going to ask her for some tips on prevention. Stay tuned. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities program just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her. So you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. 
to reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Merrill at CalkBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Call Between Generations. This is Dr. Merrill, and we're here talking to Dr. Jennifer Freed about bullying behavior. Dr. Freed is the co-founder and director of the highly successful team program called AHA, and she is the creator of the book series Become Your Best Self. We've been talking to Dr. Freed about both sides. We've been talking about you know, what it is to be a victim of bullying behavior and what it is like to be the person who is exhibiting bullying behavior. And so she's had lots of good information for us. Dr. Freed, how do I help my child or my grandchild, you know, not become a victim of bullying behavior? Is is there any way to, to do that? Well, I think the two most important things all of us need to learn that will prevent bullying behavior from our side is emotion management and empathy. Emotion management is the ability to feel intense feelings but know how to self-soothe or how to get support for those feelings instead of being immature and reckless with them. The second is empathy. If I actually can feel for anyone, whether they agree with me, disagree with me, whether they look like me or don't look like me, but I can actually put myself in their shoes, then I am far less likely to do anything that would ever harm them. So if all of us learn these two important things, emotion management and empathy, we actually wouldn't have any bullying behavior. And that's what we teach at AHA. So let me go back to the con- your concept of self-soothing because I think it is something that many of us could benefit from. I mean, they, you know, I work with caregivers all the time, family caregivers, you know, who get themselves into situations where they're often upset and they're often angry and they respond um, and with an intense emotion at the moment. I mean, what are your tips or suggestions for self-soothing behavior? Well, what we teach the teens and we learn ourselves because this is lifelong learning is one is know your cues. Know when you're starting to get very angry by twitches in your eyes or your jaws hardening. Knowing that you're feeling very hurt because you've got pain in your heart and maybe you're starting to look away. And if you can catch the cues early on, You can also be proactive about, well, what do I need when I'm hurting? What do I need when I'm starting to get angry? Like, for example, for me, if I'm starting to get very angry, there's two things I need to do, and this is personal to me. One is I need to say to myself, this isn't really what you think it is, so I have to talk myself out of the kind of outrage that I get into. And two, I need to take a lot of deep breaths and sometimes remove myself from the situation even temporarily because I've made a commitment to not act out my anger on other people. So self-soothing is the ultimate in self-responsibility because you need to know your cues and then you also have to have a plan for when I get into difficult emotional states, what am I to do right in the moment to make myself calmer and more relaxed and give myself more positive choices? I think those are great suggestions. So if you know you're headed into a situation um, that potentially 
um, is is going to create a problem for you. You would you would suggest thinking that through ahead of time, and and creating a plan for number one how you're going to react, and number two how you're going to get yourself out of the situation. Is that correct? Absolutely. Or for example, if I like when I go to my board meetings, there's a lot of intense conversation and sometimes some criticism. So I spend a few hours that day really readying myself for that situation, knowing I might feel offended, knowing I might feel hurt. So instead of going in there blindsided, I think, what do I need so that I can stay calm and I can be objective and I can like feel what I feel, but not be flooded with emotions so that I can't even talk straight or see straight. So when do you think that a situation has is beyond what a parent or a grandparent, regardless of how caring and engaged and devoted they are, when do you think they, they really need to seek professional help? Well, I think it's important to seek professional help when you or the child feels absolutely out of control and overwhelmed and hopeless. So, for example, if the child is having a repeated experience of bullying that you have tried to intervene with and there doesn't seem to be any resolve happening, or when a child is feeling very self-destructive because they've been bullied, all of these different things can be managed by the family, but in my opinion, why would you handle the most delicate and difficult emotional state by yourself if you could get an expert to help guide you through it. And that's how I see professional help, therapists, social workers, um, ministers, people that are trained to deal with complex situations. It's like you wouldn't take your very beautiful, important car to somebody that has just taken Car Mechanics 101. And no parent that I've met, unless they're a professional therapist or social worker, has been trained to deal with very extreme emotional states with their children or other people's children. So professional help, even if it's one time to get some guidance, is very advised. Okay. So tell us about AHA. Tell us about this wonderful... Okay. Thank you. AHA started in 1999 in response to the Columbine Massacre. My partner and I began it, and we are both, in our backgrounds, educators, therapists, and mediators. And we saw a great need for social and emotional intelligence with teens, not just academics. So it started as a summer program in 99, and now we have 20 staff, and we are serving thousands of teenagers and families. And we are completely committed to transforming schools and communities, one teen at a time, one teen group at a time, and we're having great success with our methods. What does AHA stand for? Attitude, harmony, and bridging the achievement gap so everyone's dreams can come true. So what sort of things do the teens learn uh, through the AHA program? Well, they learn the incredibly important social-emotional skills of emotion management, empathy, teamwork, personal responsibility, how to take initiative, and how to solve problems positively. 
That's what we teach them on a weekly and daily basis, year in, year out, in school, after school, and during the summer. That is actually what I was going to ask you next. So is this a program within the schools, or are teens referred to it as an after-school program? How, how does that work? We are embedded in the Santa Barbara School District because they have seen the great value of our work. So we are in school, and youth take it as part of their freshman seminar. And then we have the AHA Peace Builder Program, which youth elect to be in as a school club. And then we have after-school and summer programs, which youth come to by choice, but are also referred, and we always have a waiting list for those after-school and summer programs because they're so fun and successful. So tell me about the, uh, tell us about the Peace Builders program. What is that program? So the AHA Peace Builders is built on the concept that if you empower teenagers to be the leaders of their own positive school and community cultures, then you're really going to have effectiveness. So we take 150 teens from different schools. They get a 10-hour training in how to be ambassadors of peaceful behavior and welcoming behavior and how to interrupt bullying with curiosity and humor instead of more hate. And they take this training, and they're in a school club that meets every other week. And then they also log in all of their incredible results on an online site called PeaceQ.org, PeaceQ.org. So they not only do all this incredible stuff, they keep track of it all, so we get really robust statistics about their implementation and their effectiveness. So I'm really curious, as a teenager with a really, really busy schedule, why would I suddenly decide to devote time to this and participate in this? Well, that's a great question, and this is where I'm probably the most positive person on earth about teenagers. I remember when I was a teen that really all I wanted was to be part of a social movement that had meaning and novelty and thrill an adventure where I felt useful because mostly there was a lot of adultism saying young people were just reckless and chaotic. Young people are so hungry today to be part of something bigger than themselves where they can actually feel and see their impact. And they want to be AHA peace builders. We're not dragging them into it. This is volunteer. They want to live in a world that's not so filled with sexism and racism and homophobia and classism and adultism. They are very charged up with the idea that we could have a different picture than the one we're seeing on the news every day to day around separation and hate. This is not the world they want to grow up into. It's very, very meaningful words. I, I'm, I, so for, I, those of us, and we don't have a lot of time, I, tell us how to contact you. And then, you know, we don't live in, most of us are not living in Santa Barbara. I mean, how would we be able to take advantage of this type of program? Well, there's two immediate things you can do. Uh, I just published a book after many years of thinking and talking on the subject, and it's called Peace Q. Instead of IQ or EQ, it's our capacity to be peaceful inside and facilitate peace between us and others. So you can read my book, Peace Q. It's on Amazon. Then you can also go to our website, 
website, ahasb.org, ahasb.org. And we are now being hired as consultants to help people have this philosophy in other cities. And there's a new book out also called The AHA Method Book on Amazon, The AHA Method Book. So between Peace Q and AHA Method Book, you can really get steeped in our philosophy, and it's taken a lot of years to put those books together. And then we can be hired as consultants to help stakeholders in different areas really understand the extraordinary possibility of engaging teenagers in such leadership that makes a difference. Wow. Dr. Jennifer Freed, thank you so much for joining us today and and really giving us such great information. We really do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay. Thank you, and good luck with all your great work. Thank you. Thank you. Stay with us. We'll be back with Dr. Patricia O'Gorman, um, and she is author of many books, including The Resilient Woman's Guide to Saying No to Negative Self-Talk and Yes to Personal Power. And even if you're a guy listening to the show, I think you're going to want to stay tuned. There's some great tips in here for you also. Stay with us. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. How's your husband now that he can't quite take care of himself? Or how's your wife now that getting around isn't as easy as it used to be? You'd know if your spouse was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. A full day of customized activities and their home by dinner. And nursing care that's right there with them. How's your spouse? Just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Try it for free. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health-related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities and home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome back to Caught Between Generations. We had a great time with Dr. Freed, and now we're welcoming Dr. Patricia O'Gorman to our show. Dr. O'Gorman is a psychologist and a resiliency coach. She founded the Department of Prevention for the National Council on Alcoholism and Drug Dependence, and she is also the co-founder of the National Association for Children of Alcoholics. She's obviously a woman who feels very, very passionately about other women and children, especially those um, who have experienced trauma in their lives. She is the author of numerous books, including, and I love this title, Dancing Backwards in High Heels, How Women Master the Art of Resilience, and also The Girly Thoughts 10-Day Detox Plan, The Resilient Woman's Guide to Saying No to Negative Self-Talk and Yes to Personal Power. So we are going to continue in our Power Up on Caught Between Generations with Dr. Patricia O'Gorman. Dr. O'Gorman, welcome to the show. Well, thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Thank you. So let's just go right to it. So what are girly thoughts? And can you give us some examples of those? Well, um, what girly thoughts are, um, are how we as women internalize all the cultural messages that surround us and we turned it into our own personal toxic soup that um, dings us all day long and um, distracts us and consumes energy and makes us feel bad. And, um, and we're surrounded by girly thoughts. Somebody just this morning um, was uh, sharing with me that they were glad they didn't live in New York City anymore because every time you got out of the subway, you were greeted with a picture that showed you how you're supposed to look in your underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Actually, I've seen those pictures. It's it's ubiquitous. Um, The images we see of women are all photoshopped. Um, Some of the models that are now being used in very high-end fashion magazines are photoshopped and 14 years old. we are constantly marketed about, you know, how we should be young and beautiful and forever, forever young. We turn on the news and the talking heads we're greeted with are, you know, mature-looking man and a 20-something young woman. <laughs> and it's just, you know, the beat goes on. So what are some of the girly thoughts as a result of this that we have? I think the first one every woman has is that she's fat. No matter how thin she is, she's fat because we're constantly, you know, marketed that we have to be thin. And um, the images we see of women um, in magazines, um, uh, movie stars are so digitally altered that they, they don't even look like themselves. I was recently on a radio show and had a woman call in, and um, she said to me, I think I'm having girly thoughts. And I said, okay, what's going on? She said, well, first of all, I need to let you know I'm a model. and um, But I wake up every morning and I look in the mirror and I feel so sad that I don't look like me. And she is now thinking that the real her is the photoshopped image of her and feeling bad that when she wakes up, like the rest of us wake up, tousled and bleary-eyed, she's not doesn't have this fresh, gorgeous look that she's come to think of as herself. That's a problem. And um, it's a problem that women have at all levels and at all ages. Um, I had a a mother 
come in to see me recently, and she said, um, I think there's something wrong with my four-year-old. And I said, well, what's going on? It's very concerning. She said, my four-year-old walks around the house telling me she's fat. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll tell you, I, I was recently in a conversation with someone who was telling me that um, um, someone she knows, a couple, is getting divorced. And she said, I was just so shocked. And I said, were you shocked because they seem to get along so well and, you know, you were just so taken aback by this? And she said, no. She said, Dr. Merle, I was so shocked because she's so thin and I couldn't imagine why her husband would want to divorce her. And I yeah. thought, I, I, I mean, yes, we, we just have gone overboard. What are some other types of, of girly thoughts that you've identified? Yeah. Okay, um, I think, well, another one is that women feel they have to be nice all the time. And that's a major, major issue um, in school and at work. Because as soon as women um, begin to assert themselves, um, even in sometimes minor ways, uh, there is a shunning that happens. Um, Other girls who enforce the girly code because it's all... It's, you know, it's all internalized, which is why I've given it a name so we can externalize it and see it. But they may say, well, who does she think she is? At work, um, it's very likely that a woman who is doing her job and being assertive will be called the B word. Um, you know, where a man saying the same thing, having the same opinion, would be probably seen as um, assertive and powerful and knowing his material. So it's um, so we walk around feeling uh, we need to be thin all the time. You know, we have to look very young. We have to be so nice. We have to smile. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a very narrow band um, that, as women, that we are told we have to be, and that we internalize and then beat ourselves up for for not being. And that's the girly thoughts and. It's why it's important to have a name so you can name it and then stop doing it. So do you see this in um, caregiving? You know, because a lot of um, my listening audience is, is, are, are family caregivers. They're taking yeah. care of children, grandchildren, you know, parents, spouses, multiple generations at the same time. And when you spoke about this need to always be the nice person, you know, to always be the helpful person, um, do you think this is part of, you know, what gets us into trouble sometimes, why we allow ourselves to be put in situations that are really not good for us at times? Well, we, you know, as um, as women and as being you know, put in this role on so many levels um, in our lives, if we don't learn to set helpful boundaries, we're setting ourselves up for defeat. And um, what I tell women is no can be a complete sentence. No without an explanation. Somebody wants you to bring, you know, cookies to the, you know, school concert where you're juggling, you know, work your kids and getting your mother to a doctor's appointment. <laughs> you're not going to be baking cookies the night before. Um, so, no, you know, we need to set clear boundaries around this. Um, and, yes, some people will be um, have their nose out of joint because in their expectation, <coughs> excuse me, um, we should 
is always available, but that's a false expectation to have of ourselves. And we don't have that of men. Why do we have that of women? So let's go back to your example of the four-year-old little girl who thought she was fat. I mean, what can we as parents, whether it's mothers or it's fathers, um, do to help our daughters not have this kind of thinking? Well, what I did is I asked the mother what the mother saw when she looked in the mirror at herself. And uh, she literally, in my office, paled. And she says, I look in the mirror and I always say, you're fat. And she said, I think my daughter's hearing that. I said, I think your daughter is. (laughs) (laughs) If we we want to impact our children, we really have to do the hard work of changing ourselves. Um, If we don't want our kids caught into this cycle of endless demands, then we need to find a way of setting limits on it within our own life. So I know that's simple (laughs) and that's hard. (laughs) I know this may sound like a strange question, but I mean, um, as as a father, I mean, is there a way that as a father you could, you know, support your your daughters or granddaughters and, and try to prevent them from having these kinds of, you know, thought patterns? Well, yes, I had a father recently, a divorced father, bring in his um, daughter to see me because I see people. I'm a clinical psychologist in New York. And... Excuse me. Um, he was concerned because his daughter and her friends were getting together, and about you know, this was a, this was this summer. It was before they were all starting high school, and um, she was getting together with her friends and talking about how big their nose were was and how their lips were skinny and you know how they were flat chested. <laughs> you know, going down this whole list of imperfections, and he was concerned about this. He thought, this is not a way to start high school. So he brought his daughter in to see me because he heard that I had a you know, reputation for working with, um, with girls and with women. And so, yeah, fathers can pick up on this. And, you know, he learned there was a way to talk to his daughter, and his daughter learned there was a name for what she was doing and, you know, girly thoughts and and what I say with teenage girls is, you know, toxic girly thoughts because they're still girls, and so not all their thoughts are going to be, you know, problematic, but some are pretty toxic. And um, so, yeah, fathers can be very helpful in seeing this. And um, But, you know, the same fathers may not see their role in the workplace in, in precipitating this. So it's, you know, it's important to carry this, through, if you will, in, in your, you know, perspective in your lifestyle. And um, but many fathers do, and other fathers, you know, kind of do it in one place and not in another. But then some women do, too. Some women are very supportive of women at work and beat themselves up mercilessly at home. Um, you're listening to Caught Between Generations. I'm Dr. Merrill, and we're here with Dr. Patricia O. Gorman. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to return to the topic of how do you really empower yourself um, at work. And I also want to talk about um, self-care um, and including some words about female superheroes. And we're going to end with Power Up and a discussion of personal power. So stay with us. 
Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. At Sarah Care, we provide daytime activities and health related care for seniors who need assistance and support during the day. It is 101 activities and home by dinner. While we pride ourselves on the quality of our care, the Sarah Care Way sees beyond your loved one's needs to understand them as a unique individual. We care for individuals with chronic diseases, memory loss, stroke, Parkinson's disease, or those who may be feeling depressed and isolated. Our program is designed to encourage seniors to remain involved in activities of their choice, customized to meet their interests and abilities. Our outings include lunch at favorite restaurants and trips to the movies, concerts, or shopping at a cost that is less than five hours of in-home care. Your family member can attend one of our centers all day and be cared for by professional nurses and activity assistants. Transportation and financial assistance is available. Call 1-800-472-5544 today to learn how Sarah Care can help or visit us on the web at sarahcare.com. That's S-A-R-A-H care.com. Where's your mom? What's she doing? You'd know if she was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know she's enjoying a full day of activities programmed just for her interests, like art classes, volunteering, pet care, and card club. And she's home by dinner. And what's different is that Sarah Care actually has nursing care right there with her. So you'd know. Try one free day of care at Sarah Care. Call 330-451-6108. How's your mom? She's just fine at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Where's your dad? What's he doing? You'd know if he was at Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. You'd know he's enjoying a full day of cooking, computers, yoga, golfing, and he's home by dinner. You'd know Sarah Care LPN and RN Nursing Care is with him to ensure he gets the right medications at the right dosages. You'd know. How's your dad? He's just fine. At Sarah Care Daytime Senior Care and Activities. Call 330-451-6108 for one free day of care at Sarah Care. Opinions, options, answers. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Caught Between Generations. To reach our program today, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Dr. Merrill at CaughtBetweenGenerations.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Call Between Generations. I am Dr. Merrill, and I'm here with Dr. Patricia O'Gorman, and she is the author of many books, but one of them is The Girly Thoughts, a 10-day detox plan, The Resilient Woman's Guide to Saying No to Negative Self-Talk, and Yes to Personal Power. So, Dr. O'Gorman, before the break, we were talking a little bit um, about work. So... How do you empower yourself at work if one of the things you're really afraid of is failure? Um, I think a lot of women are afraid of risk and they're afraid of failure. How how do you handle that? Well, it's going to my answer is going to sound um, maybe a little I don't know different, (laughs) and that is I think women have to be clear at work what their goal is. What I find is so many women. Are, um, get have a, confused, a confusion about work where they take their work colleagues to be friends and then they feel um, they personalize all the interactions and feel 
betrayed and stabbed in the back and all these other things because of conflict at work. Work is a place there's going to be conflict and there needs to be resolution. It doesn't have to be high drama conflict, but people are brought together to work as a team, which means they have different perspectives. So what I say to women is the people you work with are your colleagues and not your friends. And if your goal is to be successful at work, then do the job you were hired to do, and whatever that job is, and do it to the best of your ability. And do some things that will make you uncomfortable um, but are important to do. For example, on a regular basis, to let your supervisor know, maybe on a monthly basis, all the things you've accomplished. Because as women, our accomplishments tend not to be as seen as men. That's not being aggressive. That's not being nasty. That's just being clear. Be clear about what you've done. Don't personalize the conflicts um, that you get. Um, you know, be, be your professional self and realize other people may have problems um, with you if you are a young, attractive, beautiful, and smart woman at work. <laughs> but let that be their problems. You're there to do your job. You're there because you probably have a passion about what you're doing and you want to do it well. And that's what you need to do. And these girly thoughts that get in there and kind of gunk up your thinking are, are not your friends. So how to be successful? Do what you were hired to do. It's simple and as complex as that. You know, it's interesting. I heard someone recently give a talk on negotiation, and it was um, specifically for, uh, primarily for women. And one of the things she was saying is that when women go into a negotiation, for instance, to get a raise, um, they tend to personalize it and, right. you know, say things like, I think I'm really deserving and, mm-hmm. you know, I, re- I really need the money, you know, I'm, you know, and whatever it is. And without thinking through ahead of time, you know, what have I really produced? What right. has my, how has my work really impacted this company? Um, and really made the point that you're valuable to the company. This is specifically what you've done. Um, and thus you, you merit this raise and, and that's what you want. Right. And that's why on a regular basis, documenting your accomplishments, to your supervisor and also to yourself because it's a good review for you. So therefore, at you know, at your annual performance, you can look back and see, I did this, I did this, I did this, I contributed, I joined this team, blah 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 blah. Because it's hard for it's hard for us as women because it feels not feminine to do this. It feels too aggressive to do this. It feels you won't be liked because you won't be nice. And yet, when we're hired to do a job, we're hired to accomplish a whole series of things. We're not hired to be nice and make coffee. You know, <laughs> we're hired as a programmer. We're hired as a school teacher. We're hired as a nurse, and that means we will have opinions and take up space. And it won't be what everyone wants, but we'll figure it out because that's part of a team. Everybody has a position on a team. Otherwise, you don't have a team. You'd have a series of people all lined up doing the same thing. So I want to talk, ask you about self-care because that um, at the end of every show, um, I'm always trying to get everyone to say, you know, ju- just do one thing for yourself. So 
Talk to me about the importance of self-care. Self-care is really, it's something only you can do, but in a funny way, you can't do it alone. And what I mean by that is if, if you're going to take care of your negative thinking about gender issues, which is what I call girly thoughts, what's very helpful is to have friends and teams, you know, um, uh, friends and family members that you can share this with. So you can all watch a TV show and pick out how ridiculous some of the messages are, that you can um, go shopping together and, you know, tell yourself, no, you're not going to buy this dress you really like a size smaller because you're convinced you're going to go on a diet. You're going to buy it in a size that looks good on you. <laughs> you know, that we take care of ourselves by accepting ourselves. We take care of ourselves by loving ourselves. I mean, all these kind of simple things, but not trying to beat ourselves into submission to be something we're not. It's about accepting who we are right now, and if we want to change, great, but you accept where you are now, and then you you move forward from there. You know, it's not about, you know, somehow if you're hard enough on yourself um, by, you know, dieting to the point that you're getting ill, that that's helpful to you. It's not. Dr. O'Gorman, you've been a great guest. Thank you so much for being with us today. Um, How can we get in contact with you? Uh, Tell us about your books. Well, my my books are available in bookstores and online, you know, Amazon, Barnes & Noble. um, And um, you can get in touch with me through my website, which is Patricia O'Gorman, O-G-O-R-M-A-N.com. And I answer emails, so... And I have a blog, so if somebody would like to just go on my website and look at my blog, send me an email, send me a comment, I'd love to receive that. Oh, thank you. That is so kind of you. Thank you so much. Dr. Patricia O'Gorman, thank you so much for being with us today on Call Between Generations. Thank you. Um, This is Dr. Merrill just reminding you to do just one thing for yourself, and that week it's power up. So find a way to power up and find your personal power. Please watch us on Facebook Live, and please leave a comment. If you have stories to tell us about how you've changed your life, how you've powered up, how you found your personal power and changed things. We'd love to hear about that. So please email me at drmerrill at callbetweengenerations.com or leave a comment uh, on the blog or on Facebook Live. And please leave us a review on iTunes if you would. Once again, it's Dr. Merrill, Call Between Generations. Take good care of yourself because, you know, you're the most important and you can't keep caring for others when you don't care for yourself. So take good care of yourself. Have a good week. Bye-bye. Thank you for tuning in to Caught Between Generations with Dr. Mel Griff. Our program is live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We hope to see you here next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. 
For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.